When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin, and we have more debunked reports from Mike Zimmer and the Minnesota Vikings. So last night, uh, someone dug up an interview with TMZ that Richie Incognito did and sent it to both of us, where Incognito said the Vikings had called him. So This is an actual report. Like, we could actually... <laughs> It is tangible. We can touch this and see it. This is real. This is not something that was made up out of thin air. Right. Uh, not that that would ever happen. No. That anyone would ever address rumors that don't exist. But in this case, Richie Incognito mentioned that the Vikings had called him. And so um, we asked Mike Zimmer today about that. And his answer was, it's totally false. There is no interest in Richie Incognito. Yes. So as we stand right now with three starting offensive linemen on the shelf, my question for you is... Should they have interest in Richie Incognito? Maybe. I think that just the baggage that comes with him. I mean, like We talked about this on the Purple Podcast back in May, right ahead of the first OTA, where there was some interest from inside the Vikings organization. Did that interest uh, you know, manifest itself? I don't believe so. I know that there was some very big hesitation. But even back then, they were inquiring – um, or not necessarily inquiring is probably the wrong word because people think inquiring means reaching out. But there was there was the thought that hey maybe some veteran guards are still available, and obviously the free agent market has shrunk considerably. I think it's probably the right call to not go after a guy like Incognito. Um, just given the culture of this locker room, like there's all things aside from the injuries, it's a very stable team. You don't have any sort of t- underlying tension. Uh, I don't know what would happen if you bring Richie Incognito into this locker room. Let's not remember, forget that first day of OTAs is when that report came out that he threw a kettleball at somebody at the gym um, and was placed, I believe, at an involuntary psych hold. So there's some serious things there, and he's, he, you, know, you wish him well, but uh, I think debunking that right away for Mike Zimmer was smart, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not looking elsewhere. You'd, you'd think they'd be almost foolish to not be. So the offensive lineman I would look at right now, considering the situation where you have Pat Elfline coming back from multiple surgeries, Nick Easton unclear on where he stands on his neck and back, and Mike Remmers dinged up too, is Jari Evans. Yeah. 
uh, Jari Evans, former New Orleans Saint and Green Bay Packer. He signed as a backup with the Packers last year, but quickly ended up playing for them and played over 900 snaps and was very solid. He can still play. That would be a guy I would look at over incognito because of some of the off-field issues. The counterpoint to that is, though, incognito has always had problems for his entire life. He made the Pro Bowl three straight years in Buffalo, though, and never really had any issues there until the end when he got released, and then it was sort of weird. He was tweeting a bunch of things, and then there was the uh, incident that you mentioned in Florida. But aside from that, it's been him just being a really effective offensive lineman. And if he could still play, there is an argument for it. That argument is just you're all in on the Super Bowl with your quarterback, and he does not have a good offensive line at this point. You should maybe do everything that you can to improve that, even if it's taking a big risk. That would be the argument for it. I don't necessarily buy into that, mm -hmm. but that would be the case that you could make. Well, he also said in that TMZ interview clip that we saw that he didn't want to go to training camp. Um, that's kind of important. If you, if you want to be on a team, you need to be in training camp. I do think that had circumstances been different, had Tony Sperano not passed away, uh, that could have been different. Uh, I believe that, you know, those, I don't know how close they were. I know that Richie Incognito tweeted something the day of his funeral, but like they, they had time or day of when he passed away, they had time together in Miami. Let, let's not forget that that connection's there. And this, you know, you don't know what kind of tailspin you can send somebody into if, you know, if they would have signed him earlier uh, and then he's here when all that's going down or, you know, if Sprano was still with us. Like, you know, would that be a situation that he feels like he could have it under control having mm -hmm. Incognito here? So, you know, we'll never know because apparently it's dead in the water. As of right now, August 7th, who knows how the heck this offensive line is going to perform in Denver, which could very easily, I wrote something this morning, that it's the biggest test. Like, you know, nobody cares about the preseason. Nobody cares about the first game. The Vikings care about the first game because they're going to figure out the strength of their depth right now. Um, and it's not necessarily to replace starters. I mean, you may end up having to do that if this Nick Easton thing is as serious as it seems. You don't go get a second opinion if it's not serious. Everybody remember Sam Bradford in the second opinion last year. It turned out to be pretty freaking serious. Um, some other names that I would look into, I think Jari Evans is a good one, but I also saw something that the Packers might be interested in bringing him back as like a depth thing. Yep, so yep, that's, that was a report. I mean, beat him to the punch. Zane Beatles is out there. Uh, I covered, I, I covered the 49ers when he was still playing there. And I know that just the new scheme with Shanahan, like very much from like the out with the old and with the new, he was part of that group, uh, you know, stretched across offense and defense that, was not a scheme fit in San Francisco anymore. And then Luke Jokel, uh, the second former second round pick, can he ever get back to that? Uh, I don't, I don't know. But I, any of these guys are not going to be superb options mm -hmm. to put in front of your eighty four million dollar quarterback. It might just be better than the depth that you have. Um, and adding that depth because is becomes important now because if the injuries are happening now in the preseason, who, who's to say what's going to happen week six? Second overall pick. Second overall pick for, yes, by Joker. Seattle, yeah. Um, so what did I say? Second round. Close I thought round. I said second overall. Sorry. We'll have to review the tape. We'll review the tape. That's, no. that's what we do. Um, so with uh, Jokel, he's not even 27 years old yet. And there was a little bit of a flash of a moment in Jacksonville where people started to believe he might succeed as a guard mm -hmm. because he was big and powerful and could at least run block, even if he wasn't as effective as a pass blocker. But 
if you're a former number two overall pick and it isn't that long ago and you're out of a job on August 7th, that's a pretty bad sign. I would say that everyone who goes to Seattle looks worse than they actually are, and you have to wonder why that is. I mean, I, Russell Wilson was running for his life last year. Is it the scheme? Is it the technique? They couldn't run the ball for anything because of their offensive line. Is it entirely because all those players are that bad or something that they were doing? I would want to ask that question. But I think that this conversation, we're talking about an incognitos had all these problems. Beatles, who's 31 years old. Evans, who's 35 or 36. And Jokel, who's one of the biggest busts in NFL history. I mean, this tells you where we stand with the panic button here that your hand should be hovering over it with this offensive line. And we sat in this same room at the same table on draft night saying how this offensive line plays, (laughs) how the offensive line plays will determine whether Mike Hughes was a good pick. And we are not even two full weeks into camp. And already it looks like, well, you wouldn't have this problem if you had picked James Daniels, if you had picked Will Hernandez, and you can't go back in time now, but I don't know how they're going to solve this problem. If Nick Easton is out for significant time, you rely on Danny Isadora, who's been very up and down in camp, Tom Copton, who has never been a full-season starter in his career, and that's for a reason, and then Elfline coming back from his injury and dinged up Remmers, and Remmers was hurt last year. And when you go through who they're going to play to start the regular season, the first four first out of five, five teams, weeks. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean, first four, four out of five weeks are all top defensive linemen yeah. in, in the middle, especially. So I, I think that they are in really rough shape. And the only silver lining here is like you said, they get the preseason game to see how this looks and start to assess it and whether they need to make a move right now. And I'm with you. I think hovering over the, the panic button, which might be the easy button from Staples, you know, the little red one. You could buy as like stocking stuffer. I've seen it. I wonder if they have one of those in the front office. Like, but it says panic. No, it's actually the easy button, and it makes it has like three sayings every time you hit it. Anyways, they're not hitting that yet because it's this early. They've mm-hmm. been here before. I went through and detailed since Mike Zimmer got here. Every training camp, except for I mean, last year. The offensive line started out one thing in week one, and that was completely different. But in terms, so that's like the adversity they face there. But every other year, they're, you know, they lose their center and their right tackle, I believe, before 2014, 2015. Um, Matt Khalil's a mess in 2014, 2016. You know, they lose their two tackles by week five of the season. This is nothing new. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it's full fledged panic just yet because all indications are. Certainly with Mike Remmers, he is in absolutely no jeopardy to miss week one. This is something where you have a seventh-year veteran. They're not going to rush him back. He's not trying to make the roster. Give him time to rest. It's an ankle injury. It's nothing more. Pat Alfline, I mean, you know, with what Mike – I don't think Mike Zimmer would have said what he said week – you know, the first, second day of training camp where he said, you know, he'll be back soon. You know, you you saw him out there yesterday pushing the sled. We've seen him out doing isolated snaps – uh, with Mark Ugama, the strength and conditioning coach. I mean, he's working. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they hold him out a little bit longer, but I also don't think he's somebody that's a clear-cut case that he's in jeopardy to miss week one. Nick Easton, I'm worried about. If you're an offensive lineman who has head, or excuse me, neck and back injuries and you're coming off the ankle injury, that's something to be seriously concerned about. As grave of a concern as that is, though, they, I, I'm not... 
waving the white flag right now and freaking out entirely because you, it is still early in the preseason. And if Tom Compton can be a fit there, you at least get th- you can at least get through the first few weeks. Maybe see if there's a potential trade that brings itself into the light later because you don't have anybody to trade for right now. There's we no trade partner. Did see them last year survive some of the injuries by putting Jeremiah Searles in there and they decided to let Jeremiah Searles go, which they may regret because he was a guy that could fill in for a game. absolutely regret that. He was a guy that you could just slide in there. He was not great, but he was serviceable to just plug in and play for a game or two. Well, that's the thing that's, that I don't understand because so, and I, and I did a timeline, we can go through it, but what sparked this whole thing, so you have the two off-season surgeries for, for Easton and Elfline. Uh, so by March, you know, you know, whenever late February, okay, here's a timetable for them, et cetera. Things kicked into high gear the Friday of the Combine when the Vikings did not pick up Jeremiah Searle's, uh, you know, RFA tender. Could have been cheap, $1.9 million, but they were so concerned about getting Kirk Cousins, and this was more than two weeks before then, that they said, you know, we just have to – we need every dollar we can get. Mm-hmm. So you don't do that, and you don't find, you know, at least a, apparently they didn't find a swingman tackle or swingman, guard, you know, guard tackle. I asked, my, and the reason I asked Mike Zimmer about that yesterday is because Tom Compton was supposed to be that answer. His response to me when I asked whether Compton can play tackle, he said, in a pinch. Yeah, he's not a tackle. The, the, but he has, I mean, the guy has more starts at tackle than he does at right guard. Like disastrous start. Yes, not good. And he was an extra tackle, I think, in like for like he started his one game that in um in twenty fifteen in Washington. That's a problem. Jeremiah Searles, you know, is now gonna be battling for a spot in Carolina for he's kind of the sixth guy right now. The Vikings are probably shooting like looking at themselves that they shot themselves in the foot a little bit because that was a very easy, inexpensive fix. And he was reliable and he was serviceable, and there were moments that he looked really good. So that that to me was a big mistake and one that you can kind of point to as the chain of events because the date, you know, I think it's March 20, 21st or 22nd, Tom Compton signs, which is like, okay, you're getting another guy. Is that, your, is that your Searles replacement? Or the next day, Joe Berger retires. They got infinitely worse on the offensive line. Joe Berger was arguably the best player on that line last year. And then you go a month later, it's the draft, and they don't take a guard, and they, here we are. So the right tackle situation is another reason to be hovering over that panic button. It it isn't just the injuries from the three guys who aren't out there currently going into Saturday night's game, but it's also the two guys who have been mixing back and forth in Brian O'Neill and Rashad Hill at right tackle, and there seems to be a legitimate battle between those two. Mm -hmm. And from what I've seen of Brian O'Neill, it's everything that you expected from his pit tape, which was... This guy can really move. He's a great athlete. And when you see him do the screens, when you see him uh, in the run plays, you know, they're not tackling in the run plays, but you see how quick he gets out there and off the line of scrimmage. And it's impressive. And there are some times where he handles the edge rush really well or the one-on-ones. But then there are other times, specifically on Saturday night against Brian Robinson, (laughs) where it was like, whoa, okay, you have a lot of technique work to do or you're going to get Kirk Cousins injured if you play. And I was looking back at this statistic about last year. So he had a very poor offensive line last year, Cousins. And he led the NFL in yards lost in sacks with 342. Compare that to the Vikings last year. 
they only lost 123 yards from Case Keenum in sacks. So even though the offensive line had its issues from time to time, Keenum was able to move himself out of the pocket, make plays still, or sense the pressure really well, where Cousins, when he faced the pressure from a poor offensive line, he got sacked a lot. I think it's just part of who Kirk Cousins is that he needs a good offensive line to succeed, which takes us all the way back to you didn't really invest everything that you needed to invest in assets to fill out this offensive line. And now it's a major concern as we go down the stretch here to the regular season. And to your point on O'Neal, he looks like a converted tight end playing tackle. That's to be expected. He was a second round pick for a reason. He's got a tremendously high ceiling. He's not ready to reach that ceiling in his rookie season, but something tells me the Rashad Hill experiment might not last a whole might not even last the first half of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mike Zimmer talked about it today about how inconsistent and, you know, he's getting better at that. Like, I mean, he's more conditioned. Uh, you know, he's, he's playing, he's at least physically in a better place than he was when he was thrust into the mix last year. But, you know, his footwork can either be really good one day, really sloppy the next day. I mean, he's been sick with the illness, which we still don't really know what it was or is. Um, and that held him out. So, I mean, you're rotating a guy like Brian O'Neill in with first team reps. Important, very important to do that right now because there's going to come a time this season where he's probably going to have to play. But had you not taken Mike Hughes, who very well could turn out to be a very good player, you could have had a guy, you know, you could have had Austin Corbett here. You could have had Will Hernandez here. You could have had a number of different guards at 30 and been in a good spot where you're not really worried about this. I mean, sure, nothing would have changed with Pat Elfline. He still probably would have been on the same schedule that he's on, and who knows, you know, Mike Remmers may or may not have gotten hurt. You know, I mean, that has nothing to do with who they picked at 30, just that whatever, if we're predicting, going back in the in time to predict that. Anyways, um, maybe he wouldn't even be playing right guard. Who knows? I still am hanging on to this as the uh, as a bold a late bold prediction that Remmers does end up playing tackle either week one right from the beginning or just at some point this year that he ends up having to kick out and play tackle again with the situation that they're in. So I think if you're a Vikings fan, the way you're looking at this is here we go again. Yeah. And if you're Mike Zimmer, you're looking at this as here we go again. Right. Because in 2016 and for, I mean, we don't talk about 2015 a lot, but it's the same sort of thing in 2015 where TJ Clemmings ends up playing the whole year. Teddy Bridgewater did a good job of you know, moving around in the pocket, but he still got sacked quite a bit. Yeah, because look, look at who his left tackle was. Right. I mean, he, he had the worst two tackles in the league. Basically. Yeah, they they lost the. Sa- I don't know when that happened in camp. I wasn't here yet, and I, but I know they lost their starting center and their starting right tackle in before the season even started. And yeah, they, that would have been what John Sullivan and um and was a right tackle them. Uh, they had someone retire. I'm sure that our purple podcasters will know this. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they they're right. They lose people, and then in 2016 it's the same deal where Andre Smith gets brought in. He's going to be the answer. He gets hurt. Matt Khalil is here, still struggles, and then he gets hurt and is just constant shuffling. And they it's never really had position that battles that year, from what I remember. Uh, at least not. At least from what I remember, like seeing that they bring you know Boone and Smith in during the off season. It's kind of like okay, those are set essentially, but. They made such a big deal about the competition and you know trying to get guys, and it didn't really manifest itself. Uh, it, interesting. I just thought that part was kind of 
glazed over over the last few years. But that that to me is, you know, and, and last year it starts in week five. Easton is the one who had the calf injury, goes mm-hmm. down in Chicago. That was just the start of it. It was a domino effect that lasted throughout till the NFC Championship game and, and was really, really bad. And they were able to survive it because of Case Keenum, for one. And uh, I know that there were people last year who got on us about being critical of Case, but that is the one area where you can't be critical no. of Case is how he handled the pocket and how he handled pressure that was fairly consistent down the stretch. The offensive line started out great, I thought. I thought yeah. it was great. And then it just went outside of maybe the game in Pittsburgh, but then it got in a groove and was really good. The Chicago game, Easton gets out and breaks open a Jarek McKinnon big play. But then, it, like you said, the injuries started to make it deteriorate, and then we saw how it ultimately impacted them when they got to the playoffs. And that's the concern is that you have so many good teams that you have to face this year with good defensive lines that how is that going to affect Kirk Cousins? So that's where we stand with that. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very fluid 7th, situation, though. too. I the, think that there is, the reason I'm not – you know, inciting panic yet because I just, you know, with Easton and with Easton, it's one thing with Remmers and Elfline, you know, that they're going to come back And there's, there's kind of the school of thought that, well, they need to build chemistry in the offensive line. As you said, you know, Kirk relies on that and needs that. He played with 36 unique offensive line combinations last year. That's a lot. And, you know, you have like you know practice squad guys getting called up like two days before a game. Jay Clemmings played in a game, and that's you know that's certainly what they want to avoid here because I don't even know who you would honestly from the practice squad from Storm Norton. I mean, Cornelius Edison was a practice guy, squad guy. He got mm-hmm. called up late last season, um, you know, just to be active. It's it's bleak right now. It's not rock bottom, but. If you don't, if 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 Saturday turns out to be a failed experiment, because as Mike Zimmer said, the first team offensive line, Kirk Cousins will be in as long as the first team offensive line is going to be in. If that's one series, then that's a problem, and that's not that's nothing on Kirk. It's the offensive line they're looking at. They don't want to get him hurt out there. Um, that's that's critical. So let's talk about Saturday and what else we are looking for, because that is. A number one is how this offensive line holds up because it's kind of a window into the future. If there are injuries or if Pat Elfline can't come back as fast as they want him to, how is this going to look against the real defense? And even though guys aren't going 110%, you'll still get a look at players going out there and wanting to get some real reps against people for that first preseason game. What else? What is it? Pie chart? Is it, oh, is it time for a pie chart? It's probably time for a pie chart. Okay, let's take. I'm not gonna. I have my Microsoft Word in front of me. I know I told you that I'm gonna bring pieces of paper with a giant blank circle on it, but I don't have it in front of me. I'm gonna try not to mess up the math as poorly as it went on the first Anthony Barr attempt of whether he gets traded or what happens to him. Okay, I'm gonna give you three things on Saturday, and okay. I want you to pie chart them. Thirty three percent for each, right? No, you can't. That's cheating, and it's thirty three point <laughs> three continuous. We went over this. Um, so here's my three things. Okay. Aside from the offensive line, wide receiver battle is number one. Kicking battle is number two. Mm -hmm. And number three is the cornerbacks and how much Mike Hughes plays. And and that goes for also the kick returning for Mike Hughes too. 
So just the first round pick finally gets on the field. So are you going to put percentages on this? Or you just you came up with a list. You asked me to create a no, pie that, chart. That's the three, and you got to spread out your percentages. How oh, much you're looking for each? Okay. Like how? I was going to add defensive line rotation in there. Okay, then we can have four Fine. defensive line okay. rotation. Okay, because I just think that there's going to be a chance that very similar to what's going to happen with the first team offensive line. I don't think you're going to see the starters out there all that long. And it's going to be a good chance to see what you get from Jaleel Johnson and, you know, where Tashawn Bauer and Stephen Weatherly stand and, you know, what Brian Robeson too. I mean, it's, I, I do think he will make the team. I don't, there's really no question in my mind, but how much he's going to be part of that rotation. So break them up. All right. Because uh, I think you were just stalling right there. You were just right, like, well, I was trying to think of the math in my head while I was doing that. You were just naming players on the <laughs> roster. You're like, it's like Afedi, Odenabo, and Jonathan uh, Wynn. Jonathan Wynn. Dijo Joseph. That's not a real person. Is he plays on the offense? Mm. Plays on offensive line. I don't number so. seventy-eight. Agree to disagree. Okay. All right. Do your um, all right. Wide receiver battle. We'll start with that. I'll probably I'm going to go ahead and say that that's probably forty percent. Okay, let's of my let's interest. let's talk about these as we go along. Sure. Uh, Brandon Zilstra has been the big conversation sure has. right now. He's number one uh, in Mister Mankato running, but where which was my pick? Where let's the men make people separate know that. themselves from the boys of Mister Mankato is in these actual preseason games. Yeah. Aside from Zilstra looking like he's got a good chance to make the roster at this moment, that that he is in the lead. How else are you ranking the wide receivers now who are battling for a spot? I'm, I'm looking at what Mike Zimmer said is going to play a huge part of it. Uh, if you want to be on the 46 per active player roster on Sundays, it's got to come down to special teams. So for me, Stacy Coley comes into play there. Caleb Jones comes into play there. I mean, there were some other names that were thrown around by uh, Mike Prefer on Monday. They said Jeff Baddett was in there. I don't know if Baddett's going to make the roster. I would tend to think if you've got six spots, the first three are occupied. Four through six, I mean, I'm I, I'm not changing the ones that I had, but it's, uh, you know, I think these are the important preseason games. We saw, what, hundred Caleb Jones had nine catches for like 137, 27 yards last year in that last preseason game, and there was a lot of expectation, and, you know, don't come on too late because he went on the practice squad at that point. They wanted to keep him around, impress early, and I think you probably have a good chance of increasing your chances of where you may fall in that pecking order. And Jones has been very good, I think, yeah. in camp so far. He's looked like an NFL wide receiver. It's just that he's got that four-game suspension so they could put him on the team and not really have to worry about him until week five, and then they can make that decision. So if we kind of set him to the side there, is – Anything change in your mind with Kendall Wright, or are you still seeing him as in trouble? It's going to depend what Tavares King's injury is. Uh, I believe it was reported that it was a hamstring. Uh, how long that keeps him out? Uh, if Kendall Wright, for him, it's going to it's going to depend on these preseason games because he has just not been impressive um, the last you know few months he's been here. And, it, and it's interesting. I saw. Uh, he did an interview uh, with one of our beat colleagues and talked about how, you know, different this offense is. And just, you know, it's the same message of when I talked to him in May. He's like, yeah, these concepts. I haven't seen a lot of the stuff that John Filippo's doing. I'm like, and yet message is still being repeated in August after that question was asked in May. That's right. kind of interesting. Right. Like, you sh you, the playbook should not be in question. The install should not be in question at this point. I mean, the RPOs are, are we don't really see a whole ton of them during, you know, camp and you know, 
I know that that's a foreign concept for some players, but that's that's really got to be about it. Like, I mean, he hasn't really impressed in terms of what he's done with the second team. Even has, if, if I'm correct, has not been didn't get with the first team for except maybe like one or two reps yeah. last week. It wasn't yeah. a lot. I I barely saw him out there, and that makes me think that. He's going to have to prove that he can do something that other people can't do. And that yeah. is the big shortcoming with Kendall Wright. So that leaves us with the other guys having an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, your Chad Beebe, Corey Robertson, all these guys, the door is open, especially if Tavares King does not play on Saturday night, then that puts him quite a bit behind some of the other guys, and that will be worth watching. So 40% to that. One, one interesting point, too, I wanted to add. Um, Jake Winicky hasn't really, I mean, he's a local kid, hasn't really done anything to make you think he's going to be on the roster, but I did see him. I was walking out today, um, after walkthrough, he was working one-on-one with Mike Prefer. Maybe he's a practice squad candidate. Yeah. Anybody who stands out on the special teams will have a better chance. And I, I mean, ha- I'd be curious. I bet you would see him doing a lot on special teams and that might not get him an active roster spot, but Hey, if he's around and there's injuries, he might be, you know, if he might make the practice squad and then potentially have a chance to get called up. I just haven't seen him make a single play. In I, I'm so not, I, yeah, I'm not really impressed at all, but I mean, I think it is significant that he was doing that. Okay, so the next one was the kicking competition, and yesterday was a fun day for the kickers because they both were missing. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and from like they what's Carlson made a sixty-ish? It's like fifty-eight on yeah. Saturday night. Yep, and then but Kai Forbath made one too from that same distance. So the kickers right now, Mike Prefer said that they are dead even. What is your percentage? You've already used 40% yes, for your pie chart. What is math. your percentage on the kickers for your focus on this Saturday? I'm putting it on 30%, so I'm at 70 total now. Uh, Great so work, I've yes. got 30% That's to correct. split up between Mike Hughes and the defensive line rotation. Um, there's always a kicking competition with this team, it seems. Uh, I'm not putting too, too much stock into it. I think 30% is a good play, good happy medium because there's still three other preseason games, and we saw this kicking competition with Kai Forbath go down to the last game last year. Mm-hmm. So I, I, start watching it now. It's going to be different because they're kicking in Denver and the air is thin. Guys love kicking up there. Um, Mike Prever said he hopes Daniel Carlson doesn't kick the ball into the parking lot or whatever, the stands. Um on kickoffs, it's going to be interesting because I know that that's the area that he's excelled in. Uh, he's got a really powerful boot, but field goals are going to be... Would you say he's good with his boots? No, because um, for me, there's only one thing that that means, and I'm talking about a play-action uh, you know, boot play action leg, bootleg. Right, yeah. But he's good with his boot, not... Like, like his foot. Like his foot. Okay. Yeah, so, trying to clear that up. You know, yeah. terminology is tough in football. You so. know, I mean, we we like to keep things streamlined. Right. Um, um, okay. So at this moment, I am leaning toward Kai Forbath because okay. Carlson looks shaky. He looks like a guy with a gigantic leg who he's not always sure where it's going yet. And if that is how he looks throughout the preseason in the actual preseason games. I think Mike Zimmer is terrified of having a kicker ruin a season for him again. And he'll go with the veteran who hit a big field goal against the Saints. I would have thought that that would have wrapped up Kai Forbath's career in Minnesota, that he's going to be the kicker for a long time after he hits the clutch field goal in the divisional game. But Multiple clutch field goals. Three. Clearly, very long distances. No, I mean... 
but, but I look at this, how can you justify cutting a fifth-round pick that you traded up for when there were so many other needs? I feel like heads are going to roll at that point. Mm-hmm. Because they'll be like, well, you know, you guys really screwed this up because they could have gotten a tight end earlier. They could have done so many different things, but they just had to trade up to take a kicker in this fifth round. That's going to be the the rationale of what's going on, like, you know, if, if Carlson isn't as good as advertised down the stretch. Willie Beavers theory. They drafted Willie Beavers in the fourth and then had to cut him because he was so bad. Yeah. Wasn't so, that, that was their highest, wasn't their highest pick that they had ever cut? It was the highest across the whole league that yeah, year. That year. So they're not terrified of doing that. I think it'll entirely come down to Zimmer. If he says, sorry, I just can't trust Daniel Carlson, then that's going to be it for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the next one? The uh, Mike Hughes. Mike Hughes. You have what? 30% left to work with. I'm going to go with uh, 20% on Mike Hughes. I'm trying to put my percentage sign. It's the five key on your keyboard if you didn't know that. So 70 plus. All right, I, mean, I wouldn't have known that right offhand. That's very helpful for our y- listeners. You're welcome. Um, you never know when you're in the car and you're listening to this on your way to work. On You're in a traffic jam on 494 and want to bang your head against a steering wheel. I just I made things a little better for people right there. Anyways. Sure. Um. It all, for me, this kind of comes back to the conversation of where Mike Hughes fits into the overall picture. Um, he's been with the second team. There really has not been any sort of indication or threat that Mackenzie Alexander is anywhere but grabbing that first team uh, nickel corner role. The The preseason will be interesting to see like how much he's playing out there, which is with the first team defense. But if Hughes excels, you know, if, he, if he's just incredible with it um, – I don't know. I mean, I don't think I just don't think that there's going to be that much competition, but it boils down to you know, Mike Hughes playing the offensive line, you know, that 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 equation of, you know, they could have had somebody instead of Mike Hughes. Right. If you take Hughes away from that conversation, he has looked good and he's gotten really good reviews on his attitude and, and his especially with, you know, in special teams too. He's a right. punt returner. Right. And that's what we'll probably see him because he's going to be kicking uh returning kickoffs. And he's a starting kickoff returner. Marcus Sherrill's it's starting punt returner. That adds an extra layer of intrigue to his first night. It's yeah. just how well he does. And is he the first guy out there? Is it Sherrill's for the first punt? Or is it Mike Hughes for the first punt? That might tell us a little bit about where Sherrill's stands. Do you think that they're going to rotate that through where, you know, I, I know that each of them kind of have separate jobs right now where Mike Prefer had mentioned that, you know who's starting it. What do you do? You expect to see him out there getting, you know, doing some punt returns? Because I know that there had been the conversation that other guys are going to get into that mix mm-hmm. too. Oh yeah, they will. I mean, like Chad Beebe, he did it in college. Jeff Baddett, you I might know. as well. Right? And I mean, and Stacy Coley too. But it's just I keep just thinking back, and it's making my my head spin. It's a first round pick, and you're going to have your first round pick returning kicks. That's it. That might be when his you most had another valuable. pressing need. Yeah, that might be his most. I know valuable that I, I speak for the people here. I know yes. that the frustration. I'm just channeling it because um, I just don't understand it. But yeah, so I'm at twenty percent there, and that'll probably change. I mean, you know, as as the preseason weeks go on, like that third preseason game will, you know, just game the starters play. So how much McKenzie's in there? I just don't think there's any threat of Mike Hughes challenging for, I mean, unless something goes terribly wrong. Well, and and that's the thing is that last year we felt the same way with McKenzie and he was there all the way through. And then he was playing in the fourth preseason game and we were all baffled. Like, wait a minute. Why is he playing in the fourth preseason game? So I guess it really boils down to the cornerback rotation period 
for for nickels, and we might as well just call it the nickel corner rotation. And, and it might well, it might be that you know, how does Hughes look there when he gets his chances, or does he see any first team? Because you know, I did see him work into a first team yesterday mm-hmm. a, a little bit, so maybe he's making some progress in that race. And Alexander, even though last year I thought he was okay in his the the, the time that he got to play. He is not at all like locked into this job. No. Just just because his attitude seems better doesn't mean that he's a better player all of a sudden. And that would be still, I think the door is open for either Hughes or Newman to come and end up being that starter. And they don't they have so much cornerback depth, they're not like they're not like tied to oh my god, McKenzie has to have this like he has to perform well and win this job, otherwise we're not gonna be one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. Like there's other options, but he's on his last chance if he doesn't win his if, – if this is – he might soon not be here if he doesn't win this job this year. So that leaves the defensive line rotation. You are putting that then at – 10%. 10%. And with that, I think we achieved – The a, impossible. <laughs> do you believe in miracles? We actually did a pie chart without botching it. We did. I learned my mistake last week just from throwing out an incredibly high percentage on whether Anthony Barr is going to be here or not next year. And then I was working my way backwards, and the math just got really confusing. You can't start too high. Sometimes I need to see the circle. I need to see what's in front Mm -hmm. of me. Today, I actually did it in Microsoft Word, and I'm okay. Maybe cheating? No, I mean, I didn't draw a circle in there. Like I I just wrote out the percentages and then Mm -hmm. calculated them in my brain. Um. So can I give you mine, and then we can talk about the defensive line sure. rotation? I am going to go with the kicking competition getting 40% from me. Okay. I am really interested to see the kickers. And what's the first one that we talked about? Wide receiver battle. Okay. Oh, wide receiver battle, yeah. So that's the most interesting to me is do we get some field goals out in Denver, and how do these two guys handle them? Because right now it is so neck and neck. That that's interesting. Uh, next for me is Mike Hughes because okay. I really want to see if he gets any of those first team reps. That do we have a competition here to talk about or not? Yeah. And, because at this moment, like you said, not really. So do we? And we'll figure that out in the game. So I'm going to put that at twenty percent. Okay. Giving us sixty percent. Sixty percent. Got forty percent to use on two. I will go. Then thirty percent on the wide receiver battle. No, we're both about the same on defensive line. Yes, and the defensive line rotation, I mean, nobody's really battling for a starting spot, and I'm not buying the D-line rotation until I actually see it against the San Francisco 49ers. I am not. I think that they went into this offseason and they wanted to talk about it all the time, and Tashawn Bowers looked pretty good, but until somebody really shows me that they're going to replace Linval Joseph for plays, that they're going to replace Daniel Hunter for plays. I think those guys end up playing 85% of the snaps or more, and we just go on from there. I don't think it's going to ever, given the talent they have here, I don't think it will ever get to the level of Philadelphia where Fletcher Cox during the regular season is playing, what, 57% of snaps. I don't think it will ever get there because of how star-studded and strong and how much you invested, millions you invested mm-hmm. into this offensive defensive line. Um, but I think there's going to come a point where maybe it's injuries, maybe it's regression, maybe it's certain things on, you know, maybe a third down situation where you want the, a defensive line rotation, mm-hmm. but it's not going to, I don't, I don't think it's going to just be a constant, you know, just, just a rotation to have a rotation. There's got to be a point behind it. Okay. I'm going to give you 
This is new game, new game. New game. Going to give you things oh, that could or could not be interesting to you for Saturday night. And okay. I just want you to tell me yes or no? whether they are interesting to you or not. Okay. Uh, Kyle, it's a fairly easy game. It is, yeah. I mean, but you can you know, Screw it say up more about the answer. Okay. Uh, how Kyle Sloter performs, interesting to you or not? No. Not at all? No. Not even a little? Not even a little because I just don't think... I don't think the two of them, meaning Peter Puyals, is how his name was pronounced in the stadium the other night, and Kyle Sloter, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, will he be on the team? How many quarterbacks are they going to keep? Maybe. I just don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I have not been that impressed with him in camp. Same. And, and we didn't see him in training camp last year when he was apparently awesome. Um, and, you know, the greatest quarterback evaluator of all time, apparently John Elway, you know, didn't want to part with him and it didn't want to, you know, couldn't get him through waivers. So they worked out, you know, to get him here. I don't see it. He hasn't performed well enough for me to be intrigued yet uh, in camp. So he would have to do something in the game where I would n- want to see him again for game two, but I am with you in saying no. Do you do you think that uh, maybe he's going over there seeking revenge? <laughs> the magic buzzword the of the Slaughter week. Revenge the Slaughter Revenge game. game. Not the Case Keenum revenge no, game. Won't play enough. They the, did say he's going to play, though. Does he throw a touchdown? Keenum? I've got this bet with someone else. I say he does. I say they work like hell to get him a touchdown. Yeah, because they want to do it on the number one defense, but it's not going to. Be, is it going to be against the starters? Who knows? Who cares? I mean, I just need him to score a touchdown for the bet. All right, go for it. Um, tight ends. Everyone not named Kyle Rudolph. Intriguing to you, or is it not? Mm, I'll wait a week. No, I've got too many other things to be intrigued about. <laughs> Okay, so the linebackers. Uh, yeah. No longer do we have Emmanuel Lemur. I think we do have a sense for Ben Gideon, but uh, you know we'll see if he makes some sort of progress. We'll know that in the regular season, but beyond the three starters or two and a half. Eric Wilson. We don't really know a lot about that. Yeah, Wilson. Uh, I mean, yeah, that that is in, that is intriguing to me. I mean, he had a he was entering this game on a high note after the pick six that he had uh, last week in the night scrimmage, not even a scrimmage night practice. Um, I, I do with this group and with the safeties, I do question the depth and what the heck that's going to look like because they're just kind of non-existent right now. Um, how often they're in their nickel, like I think probably puts a lot of stress on guys like Anthony Barr and, you know, Eric Kendricks and what other linebackers can be part of that. That's going to be a storyline that I am interested in. A long snapper. There is no competition. Still. Sadly. Still. Still. You know I'm going to be watching Kevin McDermott closely and making sure that every snap is perfect. You know what? Actually, I'm going to be looking more so when they're in punt situations. Does he go the right way? He always does. He always does. But we, you know, that that's you can't rule that out as something right. that people like automatically assume that the guy is going to go the right way. It's true. It's true. I've never seen someone go the wrong way before, but then we did, and so that changed everything for how I look at the punts. Uh, also, who's the backup long snapper? This is a huge question. It's is it still jo- David Morgan, I believe. It's still David Morgan. Okay. Because I just don't know if Johnny Stanton. I highly doubt. Johnny Stan's going to be making this team. I can't believe I didn't mention him as part of the <laughs> Yeah. He actually, today, um, they were doing a special teams drill, and he was on the scout team of that and had a number 65 yellow penny on. And I like had to put my binoculars on just to make sure it wasn't Pat Elfline out there because they were kind of far away, and it was definitely Johnny Stanton. 
former quarterback Johnny Stanton who could also look like an offensive lineman. Or a tight end or a fullbacker. You know, they might even just make him like a linebacker next. Maybe he's the real Johnny football because he could play all the football positions, including long snapper. Sure. That's that's where we stand right now. Okay, anything else that I missed? I think we have really, really previewed this preseason game. Yeah, in, in ways that we probably shouldn't, but like every other team is not – I mean, the, it's unlike a lot of other teams, the Vikings actually have reason to be looking at this game with some stakes on it because of the offensive line. Um, if, if, if that – Group, uh, the first team group that features, you know, Tom Compton's playing left guard, Cornelius Edison, who, um, you know, has appeared. I think he appeared in six games with the Bears. Um, no starts. No starts. I forgot something. And then Danny Isadora. I forgot something that we are watching really close. What? Our bet. RB3. Yeah. So will Mike Boone get the first reps or will Mac Brown? Rock Thomas is hurt, which, you know, yeah. thanks Team Rock Thomas. Yeah, you, you lost that one a while ago. But to let the listeners know, I did graciously say, okay, for our wager here, I taking Rock Thomas to make the team as a third running back, you have Mike. I, sorry, sorry. You, you have Mike, I have Mike Boone. Boone. Yes. You have got Rock Thomas. And then I also threw you Mac Brown. So yeah. basically that was a very generous uh way for me to let you wager and thank you for that are we gonna see delvin cook or no i don't think i would venture to guess probably not this first one i don't think so either you think behind this offensive line mike zimmer wants to chance that no i don't think so either he sat out the night practice and that kind of made me think okay there is no reason to rush him along and i think we will see him in the preseason i think you have to because that's you know get him up to let him see what game speed is third game maybe yeah third games when the starters play um back to the offensive line yes um, I mean, this game matters so much for figuring out the interior, which right now gives people the thought of this could be a train wreck. Silver lining, they're going to get Pat Elfline back. They're going to get Mike Remmers back. I don't know if it'll be soon, but I, I, I don't doubt that they're going to get them back. We just don't know what's going to happen with Nick Easton. And, you know, if he's out indefinitely – you got a serious problem at left guard. Do you move Mike Remmers over to left guard? He's never played there. You know, they, you know, when they moved him, he, he struggled in December and January when they right. moved him to guard. Uh, what do you do at right guard? I mean, it's just it's a constant revolving door with his offensive line, and that's a problem. That will be something that we are watching very closely, and it's something that I'm sure that Vikings fans are sitting there thinking this again. Yep, sorry, this again. So. We will talk to you again probably not till next week unless something big happens. In the game. But in the meantime, if anybody has one of those uh, staples, easy buttons, just send them to 2600 Vikings Parkway. I'm sure they could use okay. a few. Is that the official address of this place? That's what I put in my GPS oh. to get here. Okay. And outside, uh, I don't know if you saw on the outside of the museum, it says Giant 2600. Oh. Okay. Okay, bye. If anyone needed that information, now you have it. Goodbye. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.